Lord God, we come to you, and Lord, we just praise you, Lord, for who you are, for all you do, for your presence in our lives. God, for the opportunity we have to, to partner with you in what you're doing to just save this world, God, and to shine your light into the darkness. And God, we do pray for many bikes. We pray for the Guatemala team. We pray for our different small groups and classes, Lord, for those that will take financial peace. Lord, for just all the different things that we do, Lord, we do it for your glory, and we just ask and pray, Lord, for you to continue your work in us, Lord, and through us, and in this community, and in our nation, and around the world. God, we don't want to lift up those that need a special touch from you this morning. Lord, as we know, there's lots of different sickness just going around in our community, and Lord, we pray for just physical healing. God, we pray for those that, that need a special touch in a different way today. God, whether... Um, Again, they need a touch financially. Lord, they need a touch relationally or emotionally or spiritually. God, we ask for your spirit, Lord, to just touch them. Lord, with your power. Lord, heal where, where healing is needed. God, restore where restoration is needed. Lord, provide where provision is needed. And Lord, we just commit it to you. And Lord, ask for you to work. And Lord, this morning as we continue our study and just look at what, what a life of worship looks like, God, of, of as we again acknowledge who you are, God, of the way you made us in the world, and God, that every aspect of our life should be an act of worship to you, Lord, as we love you back in response to you loving us first, and God, we praise you for that. And God, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to what you need to, to show us today. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, God, for all you do. And Lord, guide us now as you open your word and study and learn and grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're continuing this message series that we started a few weeks ago. Again, as we get into January and realize we're kind of on the downhill run of January. And, and we know we start out January with big expectations, right? With high hopes that this next year is going to be better than the year before. And again, we start this series looking at just the different ways that as followers of Jesus, we should worship him. And there's so many different ways to worship him. And, and yet worship can be something that gets reduced down to just one little part or one, you know, whether it's just music or just prayer, or just giving or whatever it might be. It's, it's easy to just kind of get that concept of worship and just reduce it down to these tiny little things. Again, the hope and prayer of this series is that we realize, right, that that every act of our life has the potential of being an act of worship. Right? That if it can bring God glory, if it puts him to the forefront, right? that, that, that everything we do right, should be an act of worship. That it's not something we come to church to do, but it's something that we live every day. Right? And with every conversation, with every interaction, with every you know, task that we complete, that, that, that it can be at the potential of an act of worship to God. And as we start out this year with this kind of goal, right, of moving forward in our faith and being closer to God every day, we realize, again, here we are at the, towards the end of January. This is where we have to stay committed, right? This is where we have to get over the hump of those, cha those changes and those, those new, you know, things that we took on into January. This is that time in January and leading into February where everybody at the gym starts to fade off. Right, for those that work out regularly, this is, when, this is the time they look forward to, right? When it's not so crowded anymore. Hey, and this is, again, our chance at this moment is where, again, we can look at that and say, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to get over that hurdle, right? And continue to, to make 24 what I hope 
that it would be when I made those commitments. Hey, with that said, I want to start this morning uh, with our theme verse for this series. Again, by this point, hopefully you're familiar with it, you're starting to, to understand it, but it comes in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Romans chapter 12. If you're, here within, if you're here in person, there are Bibles available for you in the seats you're welcome to grab and, and use. Uh, if you're with us online, you can grab your Bible and look as well. But we're going to read uh, again Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Again, these verses are the start of the the second section of Romans. The first 11 chapters give us the gospel, right? The way of salvation and, and how we can find Christ, receive him as our savior, and not just be saved, but restore the relationship that we were created for with God. Again, as we look at that, right, the goal of our faith is, is not just salvation. The goal of our faith is to have that rekindled relationship with God, right, and to be transformed by his spirit and to be moving forward. And now, again, what we have, these, these intro verses into the, the last section of Romans now starts to tell us what true worship is, what our lives as a follower of Jesus should look like every day, right, as we move forward in our journey, as we are transformed by his spirit, as we become more like God tomorrow than I am today. And we see here in these verses, right, that it describes to us just the, even the concept of what worship is. As we see that last sentence of verse 1, it says that this is the true way to worship the Lord. Which again, he implies, right, that there are false ways to worship. Right, that there are all kinds of ways that we might get it wrong. And, and the concepts of, of true worship are presented here in these verses. The first thing that, that we learn, that we know, that we need to acknowledge, and again, these are the same feelings we've looked at in the first couple of weeks, just like I hope these verses are becoming very familiar to you, I hope that these are as well, but, but we start with the premise that everyone worships something. We were created to worship. Hey, that's, that's part of how God made us, right? And everybody worships something. And, and again, if it's not God, right, that we, we chase after these things and it, it doesn't fulfill us, it, it leaves a void in our life because God is the only thing that's truly worthy of our worship. And next is we know and learn, right, that the destination of our journey will determine what you worship. Everybody worships something, and yet the destination of your journey, of your life, like what is your life about, right? What is the goal of your life, of your faith? What are you striving for? What's your motivation, right? What's the destination of your life journey? Because whatever that destination is, it will determine what you worship. Again, as a church, right, as a faith community, we've, we've you know, said in our core value number one that the destination of our journey is Jesus Christ. That that is our goal, right? That, that we will be, be more like him, right, tomorrow as we move forward in our faith journey than we were before. And if Jesus is the destination of our life, right, then, then that determines what we worship. We worship God. And, and we see, again, what we learn about true worship is that's the first thing, is that true worship starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what makes him the destination of our life journey, of our faith journey. 
right, is that we can pray and ask him into our lives, receive him as our savior, not just to receive our salvation, but to receive his spirit, right, to start, again, that journey in a new direction towards Jesus, right, to invite him into our life, to, to, to receive his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness as we confess our sin and our need for him. And again, it's that sin that breaks that relationship. And yet through the power of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, we can ask him into our life and get that relationship restored with our God. And that's where true worship starts, is with a relationship with Jesus. Again, Christianity is not a religion. It is about a relationship with Jesus, with our God, with our Creator. Hey, the next thing we learn about true worship out of these verses is that true worship puts the focus on the why behind what we do. It's not just about what we do or the tasks we complete. It's why we do them. If you're worshiping the wrong things or, 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 or even, you know, um, again, not being transformed by God's spirit, and with that said, is like you can do the same things on the outside, right, as the rest of the world. You can do good things. But what sets it apart Right, for is it to be an act of worship is why you do it. What's underneath your motivations and your actions? Like what's motivating you to do that? Why are you doing are you doing it? Again, true worship, you do it to bring God glory, to love God back, right? That's our why. Right? To acknowledge his his power, his sovereignty, right? The, his lordship, right? The fact that he's God and I'm not. That's why we worship him, right? Because he loved us first, and, and we love him back with our worship. And true worship puts the focus on God instead of myself. Right? That truly is what defines our life, our life of worship, is the fact that I'm not living for myself as a follower of Jesus. I'm now living for God right? and to glorify him. And that really goes into the, ultimately the why, right? We do it because God tells us to, right? We do it to put the focus on him, right? Instead of myself, the world tells us to live for ourselves, right? But God says, no, be transformed by his spirit. So how I make progress in my faith journey, how I move forward, how I become more like Jesus, how I'm transformed to be holy like he's holy, is I do it through acts of worship, of giving God the worth of my life, right? Making him the top of my priority list. And there are lots of ways to worship God. But yet, all of these different ways that we can worship God in our life will transform us. It will change us. That is the point of worship, that we will be different. And that's what we're focusing on in this series, right, is these, some of the different ways that Scripture describes for us to worship God every day. Now, again, not just to come to church and check off, yep, I worship today. No, it's something we do every day with every breath in, in every moment. Right, that our life is an act of worship. If we started week one as we looked at worshiping God through prayer and how prayer is the basis of our communication with God. And, and again, the reality that the strength of any relationship is how you communicate and your level of communication. It's true in human relationships. It's true with our relationship with God. Right? And, and prayer is the primary way we communicate with the Lord. Then last week, we looked at, at music. Right? And how music is, is described all through scripture. And that it is a way to express our emotions, our feelings, and our perspectives. And again, how powerful of an influence music can be to us. Uh, there's a reason why you know, God put it in you. 
right? There's a reason why music is that powerful. And now today, we're looking at the next, the next aspect of worship that we see throughout Scripture, and that is that we worship God through knowledge, through learning, right? Through understanding, through seeing things differently than I once did. Right? Of, uh, I said, throughout the series, I've been asking different people as a, that are part of our church family to, to describe, you know, how this area is, is an act of worship for them, how it has transformed their lives, how, how it's continuing to help them move forward in their faith journey uh, and transform them. And so uh, today, again, we're going to uh, listen, see this video uh, by, by Gary Collings about how knowledge has helped him in his faith journey. Hi, my name is Gary Collings. I and my wife, Gail, started attending this church about three years ago. We came here from a church just outside of Yosemite National Park that we'd been attending for about 20 years. I've been asked to say a few words about the effect knowledge has had on my life of worship and my journey of faith. Knowledge, especially our knowledge of scripture, plays an important part in our faith and our worship of God. Knowledge is often defined as information acquired by a person through experience or education. Knowledge does much more than just help people improve their thinking skills. It actually makes learning easier. Those with a rich base of factual knowledge find it easier to learn more. A couple of years ago, just after finishing the journey classes, I was asked by Pastor Brian to teach a Bible study class about biblical foundations a study on both the Old and New Testaments. I panicked, I swallowed hard, and I said yes. I didn't think I could do that. I didn't know the Bible well enough. I didn't have enough knowledge to teach that class. There was no course outline. I had to make one from scratch. I'd never done that before. So I prayed, and God comforted me. And I stopped hyperventilating, and I went into hyper-Bible study mode. I buried myself in the Bible, Bible commentaries, and other sources of knowledge and information about the Bible. The knowledge I gained studying, preparing the course outline, and then teaching scripture did amazing things for me and my walk with Jesus. I, for the first time in my life, really understood the Bible as a living story of creation and our relationship with God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And yes, I understood the Old Testament too. I learned so much more about who God is and what he has done in my life and the lives of others. I learned more about my relationship with God. I learned how to live a God-centered life. In short, I became all in. My spiritual relationship with God grew. My commitment grew as my biblical knowledge grew. Real, in-depth knowledge requires individual study with a commitment to learn all you possibly can about the subject that you're studying. Faith strengthens with the acquisition of knowledge of scripture and of God. Knowledge grows by questioning the meaning of things. Don't be afraid to question the meaning of scripture. Study it, learn all that you can about it. Go to Bible study classes, study on your own, study with friends. Be sure you really understand it. It will strengthen your faith as it has strengthened mine. The more I know about God, the more my relationship with him grows. The more my relationship with him grows, 
the more I want to know about God. As we, you know, reflect even on the things that Gary shared and the, the concepts that brought, have been brought into his life, and um, again, as we realize we can worship God through knowledge, through learning, right, through um, understanding him better, right, and how transformative that can truly be. Um, again, we see this concept, I mean, right in the verses we already looked at, right, the, the part of chapter, chapter 12, verse 2, right, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And again, the more you learn about God, the more you learn about yourself. And the more you learn about the world and about the way things, and, and the more that it changes your perspective and the way that you think and process things. Again, as we think about that, this idea of, of our minds being transformed by God, and, and because the reality is all of our actions start in our mind, don't they? It starts with, with, with changing the way I think, and then that move changes my perspective, which changes my actions. And that's exactly the way that God has designed it. When I think about knowledge and about the gaining of the knowledge that, that we know about God and can find about God, I think about the analogy that's given all through Scripture about how God is described as light. And in fact, we see this analogy, right, um, through, I mean, all the pages of Scripture of that, that God is light and the evil is attributed to darkness. And again, the more God's presence we have, the lighter our lives become. And thinking about that, again, think about the more knowledge I have, it's the brighter the world becomes. And the brighter it comes, I start to realize, right, that light exposes what's really there. It exposes what's really around us. Right? Have you ever walked through a dark room not knowing necessarily what's there, right, where, where the furniture is or the toys were left out, right, or whatever it might be. As, as you walk through a dark room, you realize, like, you don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know what's around you, right? But the more light that is let in, the more it reveals the truth of what's really around you and the real situation. And I feel like that's exactly what happens with God. Again, the more we learn, the more knowledge we gain of who, about who God is, the more that his light shines in our lives and the more that it reveals what's around us. And the more that, that our minds get transformed and we start to see things from a completely different perspective. And, and, and once we know what's truly around us, right, it affects the way that the steps we take, right? And, and again, this, this, as the knowledge of who God is continues to expose the way our world really is, the lies that we believe, right, the, the, the traps that are set for us, the, the hurdles that that get in our way. And, and as we think about that, again, just as Gary said, right, the more that I learn about God, the more that it, it, it opens my eyes and the more that it deepens my relationship with him. And the more that the deeper relationship I get, the more I realize how much I don't know about God. Right? And I need to seek that knowledge even more. So again, what is the path? I mean, the path to true knowledge and learning is a deeper relationship with God. Okay, that is the path to true knowledge and learning. Is, I mean, that's where the gospel starts, right? That's what the gospel is about. It's about, you know, connecting, reconnecting you relationally to the God that made you. Because that relationship has been broken 
by sin. And yet the path to true knowledge is, is that relationship with him, is letting him into our lives. Of, again, saying that prayer, confessing our sin, right? Inviting him in, submitting to who he is, the fact that I need him in my life. And when we do that, when we receive Christ as our Savior and invite him in, right, with God's presence literally comes with that, right, through the Holy Spirit. In fact, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of every believer. As we think about and see this concept, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. So again, if you have your Bible, flip with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hey, we're going to read verses 10 through 16. Again, think about this idea, this concept, right, of God's Spirit living with me and again, giving, bringing us knowledge of who he is. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 10. It says, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirits, not the, spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Again, as we read this, we understand, right, that, that the knowledge of who God is has to come from God himself, right? We can't figure out the secrets of God unless he tells us. And again, to say, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you haven't rekindled that relationship with you, the Holy Spirit will, will reach out and, and reveal enough to you for you to be able to know who God is. Okay, that God is pursuing you because God loves you. And he wants to save you and he wants to transform you. And he wants to open up your eyes to the truth of the world around you. And once you can acknowledge that and receive him, again, that prayer of salvation and ask him into your life, then you receive the spirit that is described here, right? And, and it's through that spirit that you can know truly who God is, right? That, that, that true knowledge can be given to you. Again, as it, as it says here, right, as an unbeliever, if you try to, to, to go down this road very far, right, it says it, it quickly feels like foolishness, right? It just doesn't make sense. In fact, if, it, it's interesting to somebody who is not a believer to, to have them read scripture and to see what they see. Hey, but yet, once you receive Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he opens our eyes, right, and starts revealing things. That's when scripture comes alive. Right? As he opens up our eyes and trans, transforms our minds, right, to be able to truly understand it. Right? Just as, again, verse 10 says, right, the first verse we read, it says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And then we see in verse 12, right, it tells us and that we receive God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful thing that God has freely given us. 
Again, it's by His Spirit, right, living in our hearts and transforming our minds that, that we can now be, understand, right, the thing of who God is and how He made us and how it all fits together. Right? Again, the, 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 the path to true knowledge is that relationship with God. And then we have this incredible promise, right, in verse 16. Again, the last phrase of this passage we just read. But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Right, that truly we can understand the things, these big spiritual concepts, because God is teaching us himself, right? He gives us the mind of Christ. Right, again, that's the goal of our faith, right? To be like Christ, to be transformed like him, to be holy like he is holy. And, and with every step of knowledge and learning that we get, we become more like him, right? And we get his mind. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 tells us that fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Again, the fear that's described here is not like afraid of God fear. It's a reverent fear, right? It's a fear, the reverence of God that acknowledges that he's God and I'm not. He is all powerful and I'm not, right? And it's that respect that comes of God, right? That the reverence and respect of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, right? Of realizing that I need him. I don't know everything. And, and as we, again, start that relationship, we start on that new, new journey towards him of being transformed by his spirit as he opens our eyes to new things and his light penetrates in our life and, and we start to, to see things from a different place and, again, which affects are the steps we take. That we need to, then we start to learn, right, that the primary source of true knowledge and learning is Scripture. The path to true knowledge is God and that relationship with him. That the source, the, the primary source of that knowledge and learning is Scripture. That's why, again, as a church, as a faith community, right, we've established our core value number two, that Scripture is our foundation and roadmap for our journey. Right? It, is, it, it is our source of knowing who God is. It, is. it is the known, revealed truth right in the pages of Scripture. And that will be the foundation of our knowledge, of our lives. Again, my hope as your pastor, as I, as I give you sermons every Sunday, my hope and prayer is not that you leave here being like, yep, I got it all. Like, check, check that off, and then you go about to me. My hope every Sunday is that by hearing this sermon is that it whets your appetite and your love for scripture, right? That you leave here drawn to dive deeper into it, right? That, 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 again, that is my goal as your pastor every Sunday. My hope is that I just give you just enough that you're like, I've got to dig deeper. I want you to read it for yourself. That's right? part of why I give you the outlines and all the scriptures on it, right? So that you have all the references. You go, and I, I hope you go home and you read those and dive deeper into them. I will tell you, I cut more out of my sermon every week than I actually present to you. Okay, because there is so much there. Okay, and, and my hope is that, that you hear it and you're like, man, I have to go deeper, right? And that you take that outline and you, you read those passages and you, you dive deeper and deeper into it. Okay, because nothing will transform your life and your faith more than consistent Bible reading and study. And yes, that is a bold statement. I know it is. Okay, but I'll tell you, it's been true in my life, and I've watched it be true in so many other people's lives and throughout my years of being a pastor. It is that nothing will transform you more. Nothing will move you forward in your faith 
more or faster than consistent daily Bible reading and study. Not just on Sunday morning, right? Not just in your small group on Wednesday night or whenever you go, but just consistent daily Bible reading. Okay, and, and again, why is that true? Well, we, we see, again, the power of Scripture, the power of the truth of God's Word. In 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, it says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Again, there's a lot in those verses, isn't there? Right? And scripture does all of it. If I, I'll tell you, you could, you could spend the next week just diving into just what's said in those few verses right? and saying, are, is this true in my life? Is, again, how, how do I get more of that, right? And, and just create a thirst and a love for God's word. That's my hope and prayer for you as your pastor. Hey, because no other action or spiritual discipline brings more growth into someone's faith journey than consistent Bible reading and study. Again, will prayer help you? Absolutely, right? Will, will giving? Yes. Will service? Yes. All those things, but the, the core foundation all right, that will grow you the most is consistent daily Bible reading. Now, as, as I say that, and, and we understand how powerful God's word is, and, and how that knowledge can truly transform us, and everything that this ver- these verses describe, and there's others that describe more. As we think about all this, we need to understand and know that knowledge is dangerous if it does not grow into wisdom. Okay, knowledge is dangerous if it does not grow into wisdom. And now again, I understand, this is a bold statement, so let me explain. Okay, um... Because okay, we, can, we can't, we can just gain knowledge. We can just learn lots and lots and lots and lots, right? But, but we have to first understand that knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Okay, knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Okay, in fact, as I think about that, that contrast, right, between knowledge and wisdom, okay, there's, again, this kind of old cliche statement that I think is just a wonderful illustration. Okay, that knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit, Okay, wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Right? And in fact, knowledge is dangerous, right, if it doesn't grow into wisdom. Okay, the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right, is the actions you take because of that knowledge. Right? I can just learn all kinds of stuff. Right? But if I never apply it, if I never make any changes, if I never live out that truth, Right, then it's very dangerous. Because I will tell you, God does not want smarter sinners. That's not what God wants for you. Right? And we shouldn't just sit in, in sermon and hear sermons, sit in Bible studies, and just be smar- smarter and smarter and smarter sinners. That's not the point. But the point is God's supposed to transform you. Right, to make you holy, right? And the only way that that happens is if you take that knowledge that you learn in all those different places and you live it out in your life, right? And that knowledge then becomes wisdom, right? And you make changes and you, you adjust, right? And, and you change your perspectives and all those kind of things. Now, again, as we, we see this, there's a concept all through scripture, 
right, that, that we see, which is very true. We know this. We live this concept every day. And that is the fact um, that we are held accountable according to our knowledge. Again, Jesus reiterates this concept. And one of the places he does is in Luke chapter 12, verses 47 through 48. Again, these are the words of Jesus, right? As he says, and a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Again, Jesus is reiterating the, the concept we already know, right, is that we are held accountable according to our knowledge. Again, we already, like I said, we already know this. We live under this all the time because what's the first reaction when you catch somebody doing something wrong? I didn't know. Right, we've all used that excuse, haven't we? Right, we get pulled over by the police officer. Hey, you were going 15 miles less than me. I didn't know what the speed limit was. I'm sorry. Right? We, we always go to that defense, don't we? Right? And yet God is telling us, he's like, but once you know who I am, once you know the way the world works, once you know where I'm leading you, once I reveal these things to you, I don't know is not a valid excuse anymore. Because once you know, and I know that you know, right, then you're held to a higher level, right? To a different level of accountability. And again, we know this all the time, right? And there are times when we have to come to God or even when we come to our parents, right? In fact, there are times when our boys come to us and the first time they're like, I didn't know. And I'm like, well, now I know you know, right? So next time I didn't know is not a valid excuse. And God looks at us and says, but you know, I've been, I've been showing you, I've been telling you, right? And as we gain knowledge, it must grow into wisdom, and when it does, right, we find ourselves in this fork in the road in our life and in our faith. And this happens over and over and over again. Right? And we all know this, right? We gain this knowledge of who God is and we start and we move forward, we start to grow. And then we get to this place in our life where we have to make a choice, right? And that choice is like, because of now what I know about who God is and about who I am and what he's telling me to do, I have to choose. I, I'm at this fork in the road. I either have to go all in Right? And make changes because of that knowledge. And move to the next place and the next phase of my faith and of my life and all those things, right? I have to go all in with that or I choose to not, right? And, and, and I pull back. Now, again, the lie about that when we get to that choice is that we say, no, you know what? I'm not pulling back. I'm just not going to go all in, but I'll just stay right here. Like, I've gone far enough. Right? And I'm just going to camp in my faith. I'll just, you know, set up my tent, right? I'll just be calm, comfortable going this far, and I'll just camp right here. See, but camping in our faith, though, if you're not moving forward, you are losing ground. That you cannot camp in your faith. Okay, again, that's why we're a faith journey church, right? We're going somewhere. Because you cannot camp in your faith. That is a lie. Uh, that's a deception. Because the reality, if you are not moving forward, you are losing ground. Because our world is drifting from who God is, right? And if you are sitting still, if you're camping, you are going to get caught in that tide and you are going to drift with the world. Right? You cannot camp in your faith because you will not stay in that place. Right? And we get to that, but our knowledge takes us to that fork in the road where we have to decide, I'm either going to go all in and I'm going to make the changes that God's telling me to make, 
or else I am going to pull back. And if I pull back, I'm going backwards. Hey, notice that's what, one of the things that Gary said in his video, wasn't it? He says, I'm all in. Right? Because we get to that place where that knowledge forces that choice. Right? And we have to make that choice. Again, how do I get this wisdom? How do I, how do I get this knowledge and then transform it into wisdom? Right? The wisdom shows us to that place where we realize we cannot stay on the fence. But in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Praise God. Right? All I have to do is ask for it. Right? And God will give it to me. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Make sure it's him that you're worshiping. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are, are unstable in everything they do. And I wish that was more clear. Seems pretty clear, doesn't it? In fact, as I read this passage, right, and think about this, and you think about this, what I'm reminded of, and we've all seen these videos, right, where there's the guy that has one foot on the dock and one foot on his boat, right, and the boat starts to move away from the dock, right, and there's that moment, right, when that person realizes, I'm not in a good place, right, and a choice has to be made. Right? And they either go all in on one of them or they are a failure in everything they do. And that means they're going swimming. Right? We know that, right? We've all seen that video. And yet the same is true in our spiritual lives, right? We realize, because that's what knowledge, as we grow in our knowledge of who God is and who we are and everything he wants us to do, right, is that we get to that place when we realize that being on the fence is not a place we can stay. Right? That we cannot be divided, right? We cannot have foot in the world and with God because they start to separate very quickly. And again, knowledge is dangerous if it doesn't grow into wisdom. It will naturally bring us to that fork in the road. And again, knowledge gained from God will naturally move you to action. Right? Because you get to the place where you have to take action on what I know. Right? Because either I do, or I just decide I'm going to camp. And I'm like, nope, I'm go I've gone far enough, Lord. I'm good. And God's like, but you're not. Right? But you're missing out. Right? God has invited us into this life of worship, to, to know truly who he is, to be transformed by his spirit. Right? And that knowledge will naturally move you to action. Again, if you look at, at the, the, again, the, the strategy of our church, the spiritual journey, we have those five stops, right? A ten grow, serve, lead, mentor. And, and again, the, the, the bridge over it is we start out consuming the things of God, right? We start to learn and, and gain knowledge. And that naturally is supposed to move towards contribute. It naturally moves you to action. But the reality is, is that we need them both, right? It's, what, it's exactly what Gary said in his video, right? That the more I learn about God, the, the closer I get to him. And the closer I get to him, the more I know I need to learn about Right? And again, those, that consume, that contribute, is supposed to feed each other because if you just st stay in either one of them for too long, it becomes dangerous. Okay? And, and as we think about that, 
You know, that, that again, knowledge naturally moved me to action. Okay, Psalms 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, God's word is the knowledge, right? And then that I won't sin against him is the action, right? It naturally moves me in that way. James 4, 17. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Ouch. It's a sin to know, to have the knowledge of what I'm supposed to do and then to say, nope. I'm not going to do it. It's sin. And, and that, that gets between you and God. And again, as I, as I tell you, right, my hope is that I give you this thirst right, for Scripture, and you go home and you dive deeper into it. And I tell you, as we think about all of these concepts, I, I tell you, we don't have time to go into this passage today. This is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, in Jesus' words, Matthew 7, 24 and 27. You have it on your outline. And like I said, I'm not going to read it for you because you're going to go home and read it, I hope. Right? Dive into that, right? And to see these concepts of what does Jesus, now again, this is a famous passage. Okay, read those words, but that, read it over and over again, right? Ask your questions. Because again, I'll tell you, as we watch other people get into consistent daily reading, right, what that does, it brings up all kinds of questions. Okay, and that's exactly the place you want to be. Okay, because I tell you, God is not afraid of your questions. He's not even afraid of your doubts. Hey, God is truth. He has nothing to hide. And in fact, that's what should happen, right? As you start in those daily readings, is you should end up with a whole bunch of questions. Right? And that's when you pray and say, God, open my eyes to what this is. Right? Or you come and you, you know, send me an email or send Pastor Ben an email or Pastor Brian an email and say, hey, can you help me with this? Yes, I would love to. Right? Come to a small group and talk about it. Right? It's supposed to bring questions. Right? And then, again, as it naturally moves us to action. Again, as we think about this, right, just the, the different ways that we worship God literally with every aspect of our life. Right, that everything we have, everything that we do, everything we think, every action step we take, every conversation we have is an opportunity to worship our Lord. And worship is a life of it. It is not something we just come to church to do. Right, and as we think about that, again, once we have that knowledge, right, and we worship words of God through that, then it becomes not a matter of faith, but a matter of obedience. Because once I know, right, then it's not an act of faith. Now it's an act of obedience. Right? Am I going to do what God's telling me to do? Am I going to follow through? Right? Am I going to fulfill it? As we think about this, this idea, this challenge, this concept, okay, I want to end today in James chapter 1, verses 22 and 25, which is our final thought today. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So my question to you today is, what is God asking you to do? Okay, what's the next step of your life of worship? Again, I would tell you, if you are here or watching online and you don't know Christ your Savior, you never invited him into your life, I'll tell you, that's what God's asking you to do. He's asking you to pray and accept him as your Savior and invite him in. Okay, that, that's your next step. Okay, if you have done that, right, then, then the Holy Spirit is telling you what your next step is. And then the question is, are you going to do it? Lord God, we praise you today that you are faithful. 
God, that you reveal yourself to us. God, so that we can know you more, so we can be in relationship with you. God, that we can be transformed by your spirit. God, and be obedient to your word. Lord, and just do everything you tell us to do. And God, as we go this week, I pray, Lord, that we would worship you every day, in every moment. God, that we would be in prayer and communication with you. God, that we would dive deep into the known truth of your word. God, and that we would feel free to ask our questions to you, Lord, to be transformed by your spirit, to, to be obedient, God, to everything you tell us to do. And God, as we do that, Lord, your light becomes brighter and brighter in our life. And God, our hope and prayer is that your light shines through our lives as we live our faith into this dark world. God, and that others will find you because of us. And God, as we go this week, Lord, we commit to a life of worship, Lord, to learning from you and to doing what you tell us to do, to be transformed, God, every act of worship. Lord, thank you for giving us your truth, giving us your word, God, for living in us. And Lord, letting your light and your love shine through us to those around us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Guide us as we go this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.